I'm gonna trick former guest Ben into making us theme song. That's it. Okay. Better, closer, warmer. Uh, all modern art is communistic. I want to be the first man to nut in space. Fuck you. Fuck off. Where are we finding it? Why can't we Better, find it? Closer, Why do you guys warmer. keep saying all this change? We're playing Fortnite. Let's have fun. We need to get to that post-World War II mentality where Better, closer, no one in the warmer. world is going to Twitch and typing in climate first. Don't tweet us about how our stuff's inaccurate. At this point, I don't think the N-word tape would change anything. The piss tape might. From New Orleans to New York. It's the Alenios Podcast, baby. Dude, that was TNT. Welcome back to the Alenios Podcast. I'm Smith. I'm Seth. This week and we guys, are... Oh, go ahead. The voice that makes you moist isn't here today. <laughs> I was going to say, yes, we are without Marcus, sadly, this week. We don't have an excuse. He just didn't show up, so we are here without him. Yeah, we're in the the studio we built without him. He usually <laughs> usually flies out for the podcast on Mondays, but decided not to this week. Yeah, from his undisclosed location that he lives at. Yeah, um, he won't even tell us to be honest. We have no idea. We assume that it's somewhere far away and exotic. Yeah, it has to be. No, knowing Marcus. So Seth, um, interesting things are afoot. Um, yeah around the country right now. I haven't been following it too closely because I really I really just find it hard to, at this point care about uh, Trump stuff. Uh, but you see the, the the secretary of the uh, of the border patrol or whatever set set, set down or like, whatever it is, immigration or whatever. No. And I'm with you. It's like sad because I mean, I'm obviously I'm, I'm on a political podcast and I'm a person who who likes to stay somewhat informed and have an opinion on, you know, why, why the, we're, we are the, the, on the right side of history, but I've become so apathetic towards all Trump news that I don't, I don't even know what to do myself anymore. It's just, it is so much of the media is dedicated to it. And I just, I just, it's just so hard for me to just focus on it anymore. Well, yeah, you don't want to be a broken record, right? Like everyone, everyone already covers all the Trump stuff. So we don't, I, mean, I know we talked about it before in the past, but, we want to cover everything the man does here, unless it's like particularly funny or heinous. Yeah, um, but uh, I mean, yeah, if I was the secretary of the border patrol, I'd probably step down too. Her name was Christian so. Nielsen. And wow, kind of surprised it's a woman. Yeah, that's good for them. Women can not, also not be really, terrible, but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, she stepped down because she was not Nazi enough. Wow, she got out Nazi. Yeah, well, she was the one who was like, we're ending the family separation uh, thing, even before Weak. Trump's... Yeah. And he wanted to bring it back. Damn, dude. He keeps saying, like, bring back family separation. It's a huge deterrent. that keeps people out. They don't get separated from their kids. And it's like, god damn, how... I mean, what the fuck is wrong with our country? Like, Isn't it crazy damn. we've gotten to the point where this man can literally say, I want to separate mothers from their children and there are people behind him who were like we're part of the trump militia we love this man we would we would die for this man it's like you yeah, it's crazy that there's people like that i've already seen people who are like if the border patrol gets defunded or whatever we're gonna be out there on horses and and trucks watching the border ourselves and we won't be so easy with the with the immigrants like uh the border patrol is oh wow so you're gonna just openly assault and murder people okay cool pretty much dude um speaking of uh government defunding i found out something interesting today that i didn't find out through the news i found i found this out walking on the goddamn streets a common person i did you want to know what i found out what's that what, what do you think of what do you what's your opinion on dare you remember dare right oh yeah that fucking lame ass shit they told you not to do drugs and then everyone does drugs anyway yeah well, fun fact, uh, the federal government just cut 83% of their funding. Um, I mean, good. And yeah, there I was walking, I was, I was fucking, I was beating the street today. Fucking walking up and down, fucking trying to get the news straight from the source. And some guy walks up to me, he's like, hey man, you got a second? And I was like, sure. He's like, I work, and they have like this big booth. He's like, you know, Dare just got 83% of its funding cut by the 
federal government. We're trying to raise money to like get it back into public schools. And I was like, man, I think Dare's kind of stupid, so not not gonna happen this time. <laughs> and he luckily he didn't say anything back because I feel like I feel like I probably shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. Dare's kind of stupid. Everyone's everyone still went and did drugs, and it's like I don't know. I just don't think Dare is that useful. I mean, I hate... It's like it's so weird, because normally when I hear something got its government funding cut, I'm like, oh, I'm like, no, fuck that. We should fund more stuff. But Dare, I'm just... I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. It's just like, I didn't think about drugs when I was a kid until you brought me in and told me about all the drugs. Like, and they sound so cool. Yeah. They show you, like, how to fucking freebase and, like, how to roll a joint, basically. And it's like... Just don't do any of this stuff, but here's how it's done, and here's where to find it, by the way. There's a guy. He stands outside of the school every day after 5.30 p.m. He'll sell it to you. We promise. But don't go there. Um, Talking about crack, smack, heroin, angel dust, fucking uh, weed, goddamn uh, uh, meth, and LSD, or acid. And they're they're treating them all as if they're the same. Yeah, exactly. if they, if like, if honestly, if, if Dare were to come back and they were to teach kids, hey, maybe don't try heroin when you're 17, but if you want to smoke some pot, I mean, it's getting legal in places, buddy, go for it, you know? <laughs> like, maybe, I might support that version of Dare, but right now I'm just, I don't know, I just don't feel bad about the Dare thing. No, man, Dare was always lame, and it was like, I don't know, it, it didn't really teach me anything that I thought was useful, because... First of all, I ain't had the money to get no drugs in the first place. We were fucking... We, me, we didn't have any money to, yeah. to buy drugs with. There wasn't really uh, that much of a, of a drug community in our school either that I, that I remember seeing. Maybe when you came up, it was a bit different. Oh, yeah. It was way different when I was there. <laughs> no, I mean, for real. It was like people were like... Just, people would just hotbox in the parking lot before school. Oh, shit. See, we yeah. had drinking. That's what we had underage drinking when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. But that's super easy to get by comparison, right? Because you can just get that from your parents somehow, like, sneak out of the house or whatever. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can just find people who either... Some people will just sell it to you. They don't care about their their business. And some people, you can find somebody to buy it for you. Alcohol's not hard to get. We need to, re- we need to lower do that not, <laughs> Don't get a person to buy alcohol for you and then go back to their house and party in their basement because apparently bad things will happen to you if you do that. Yeah, man. I mean, we're not... We've always said we won't do ads in this podcast, so we can't say we're sponsored by the movie Ma that's upcoming. <laughs> but I'm just going to say that Octavia Spencer did, like, slip me a five. You need to go... If this is a podcast, go watch the fucking trailer for Ma and just, just like... Just watch that and see what you think. Cause it's insane. Yeah, it's, like, honestly, like, maybe a whole new level of psychological horror that no one's ever explored before. And... <laughs> Jordan Peele might want to watch out for Hoover's making this movie. All right, fucking watch the throne over there. Um, but yeah, so Dare getting his funding uh, uh, cut does not seem to really. I don't really care. It'll be like if you told me that the cops got their their funding cut. Oh shit, boohoo. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think is more beneficial? Um, never mind. That doesn't make. I was gonna say Dare or the police. But I think Dare is more just because it's not a huge negative. I think Dare is actually isn't isn't a police program though. Like, wasn't it always cops showing up to talk to us? I know it's federally funded, and yeah, I, I believe they get cops to like do like the the speeches and stuff. And I'm pretty sure it's a separate thing. But I mean, it, they're basically they basically go hand in hand when you think about it. Yeah. See, if you wanted to get kids not do drugs, they should have brought in some like tweed jacket wearing pencil neck college professor and had him explain the you know deleterious effects of heroin or something and not some like jacked up fucking cop screaming about how smoking weed will blow your fucking heart apart like no you you you're you're wrong what you do is well you're you're right and you're wrong Mm -hmm. you don't get the tweed jacket professor or the police officer you get the the guy who like has an insane like um vape rig for him to like <laughs> sh- to smoke his like hydroponic shit that's grown in like Croatia or something that he has to like get flown in and who is like and like just fucking loves the band like fucking I don't Rush. know like red red jumpsuit apparatus or something oh like my nobody, god deep something cuts. that nobody fucking likes get that gotta talk and kids be like yeah drugs are stupid <laughs> are you kidding me is this what drugs do to you 
That's what oh you need, God. honestly. Oh, man. But Seth, I did want to talk to you about something real quick. Go ahead. Um, so, uh, turns out that uh, one, in f- one in five business leaders may have psychopathic tendencies, but is that really so bad? Yeah, does it have to be a bad thing? It's the headline I've got here from CNBC. CNBC, um, make it. Where they are talking about um, people who uh, flourish under capitalism and how, shockingly, only one in five are, are probably psychopaths. Um, now, so do you know what psychopathy uh, entails? Psychopathy? Yeah. Like a classic mm. psychopath. No. It says right here, now this is, folks, I know if someone out there is listening and you're like a, psychi- like a psychiatrist or a psychologist or someone who took Psych 101 in college, do not fucking at me, don't send us a fucking message, fuck off. This is just like pop size bullshit. Um, says right here, number one is they, they often crave validation and recognition from others. Okay, makes sense. Uh, two, they tend to be self-centered. And then three, they have high levels of entitlement. Wow. So those are the three classic uh, warning signs of a psychopath. And it goes on to talk about how... It gives a couple of examples, right, of people who uh, who uh, uh, were thought to be, like, good business people who turned out to be bad. Like, it says right here... For example, during the last major tsunami that devastated Thailand, an Australian businessman became an instant hero with the media for single-handedly saving the lives of 20 people. Yet it later transpired this same individual had been a fugitive of the Australian police for years because of assault and robbery charges. Okay. It says right here, in a similar vein, a British firefighter who was awarded a Medal of Honor for his heroic actions during a 2005 London terrorist attack when he risked his life saving the passengers of the bomb bus, is now serving a 14-year prison sentence for involvement in a $135 million cocaine ring. Wow. That one I don't quite get so much. That I mean, okay, guy was selling some coke. Who gives a shit? Like, fuck yeah. dare. We're talking about that already. Like, who cares? A little cocaine between friends? Yeah, What's I mean, a, a little cocaine. I mean, I wish that... I wish that doing a little of something got you $150 million. That's true. That's true. I guess he was in charge of, like, he was part of the selling and distributing, but... Yeah. Again, who's doing cocaine? Rich people. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. So just so you know how... So I decided to look up CNBC Make It on Twitter, where this tweet comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's about... It's, a, it's about, oh, being, you know, wise with your money or whatever, which is basically bullshit. It's basically people who are, like like already rich can just learn shit right mm-hmm. just to show you just, just to let you know how obsessed they are with money i'm just gonna just from the very top of their twitter feed i'm gonna read the headlines until it doesn't include a dollar amount okay okay uh here's the first one jessica alba's 6.2 million dollar beverly hills home is for sale take a look inside oh my okay. god who cares there's the money ceo of three billion dollar real estate startup blah 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 Two college students are accused of scamming Apple out of $900,000 with fake iPhones. Good for them. Good, yeah. 15 jobs that pay more than $79,900 a year for people who hate math. Oh, God. This airport will cost $12 billion to make. Take a look inside. And then finally, we get to a headline that has no numbers about Harvard's freshman or something. Okay. But yeah, it's literally like five or six posts in a row that all have some kind of dollar amount so, so this this site sounds like it's hell so i want to get off yeah. of it as soon as possible yeah it but sounds fucking awful the two people it really talks about are steve jobs and elon musk mm-hmm. and here's something i don't know about, about steve jobs apparently he he one of the things he did that would make him an asshole when he was working at apple was he parked in the disabled parking spots wow dude what the fuck dude are you kidding me like, I mean, one, first of all, that's awful. And second of all, like, don't they have, like, don't the CEOs get better parking than disabled anyway? I would think so. Like, don't they have, like, a parking spot that's basically inside of their office? Like, at your own fucking company? Yeah, I think so, man. That's, like, that's a really fucked up move, my dude. And, of course, Elon Musk's, like, narcissism and him, like, getting into fight with people on Twitter and losing, I should, I should note. Yeah, um, terribly. And then it talks about Elizabeth Holmes. You know who this is, right? 
I know the name. She's the creepy blonde and the turtleneck with the deep voice who like did that Theranos blood testing scam. Oh company. yeah. It says right here that she lost her billionaire title, but she styled herself as the Steve Jobs of healthcare and was clearly ruthless in deceiving investors. And instead of delivering an uh, innovative product to the market, she was selling nothing but a fairy tale. And I'm like, why do you make her sound so cool at first? What are you yeah. doing? And also, people like I mean, I don't, I don't know much about her. I'm not going to defend her here, but I will mm-hmm. say this: people who are able to get into like Silicon Valley and into the venture capitalists and trick them out of money, good for you. Yeah, like you were, you were some of the unsung heroes. You're probably some of the only people who like lucked into a bunch of money that I don't hate because you you tricked some other asshole a lot of money to give you their money for nothing. That's true. That's true. I can't hate her too much on that one. Yeah. Um, but the last thing it says here, this is this is a sentence that I just, I just love. It says, To be sure, too much psychopathy will predispose someone to crime in prison rather than Apple or Amazon. As if those aren't companies that do criminal shit all the time. Yeah, it's like, those are like the two biggest criminal organizations in America. It's just, the cops are the biggest gang in America. We'll say that. Yeah, but that's true. Apple and Amazon are not like some paragons of fucking virtue. Yeah. Speaking of um, Steve Jobs and Apple, I noticed something interesting last night. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about um, CEOs and like how bad they are, right? And we, yeah. we give some by name, you know? Elon Musk, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, guys like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what billionaire or like CEO I know nothing about. Who's that? Tim Cook, the new one for Apple ever since Steve Jobs died. I think it's intentional. I know nothing about that man. He really just wants you to know two things: he runs Apple and he's gay. That's about it. Oh, he's gay. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't even know that one. Yeah, <laughs> see, he's one of those guys who was like, "I am filthy rich, but I'm also not ostentatious about it." Mm. He's like a he's like the villain from the third season of Fargo. Oh, okay. Remember that whole speech he gave about how he like lives all shabby despite being like a billionaire and shit. Yeah, and I mean he's not quite at that level, but Tim Cook's also not going on TV every day saying like I'm I'm big dick Tim Cook. I mean, if he did, I'd respect him a lot more. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know anything about the guy. There's a couple, a couple of those CEOs that kind of lie low that might be smarter than the other ones who aren't lying low, honestly. Or you got um, the ones who are fake, like progressive, like uh, Warren Buffett or whatever? Oh, I thought you meant he's the fake CEO of the company Progressive. But yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a fake progressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is, like, Warren Buffett is one of those guys who I don't, all I know is he invested something at some point and now he's rich. That's all yeah. I know about him. He's real estate. Oh, he's real estate? Man, that's like the fucking worst thing to be. Yeah, he's basically just a giant landlord, essentially. But he can't spend any money, right? Yeah, he has nothing to spend money on. There's nothing to give money to. Yeah, it's weird how we, like, all these rich people just literally played the game of Monopoly on, with America as the board, bought all the property, and now all they can do is charge us insane rent for it. And that's all, that's, that's, and they'll, they'll, they can only get more money. We can only get less, and they can never spend anything. I did see an incredible post on the the Libertarian Reddit where someone said, would it be okay if a company were to get so large and powerful that it could buy every single industry in America and then just charge us all rent to use it? Yes. I think the answer is simply yes. And people were going on about how, like, oh, it will never happen because of competition. Like, there will be a competitor that will stop them or can, like, do it for, for a cheaper price and get your money. And I'm like, yeah. but but no, they couldn't. Yeah, give Amazon a couple of years and see if, see if that still holds up. Yeah, dude, it's fucked, man. It's like, people have way too much faith in, like, this magical thinking the market is going to solve their problem somehow. Yeah, they, they really put a lot of faith into this free market that really hasn't done much for us past the first 20 years of its existence. That is true, man. That is true. Um, right. I had a question for you, though. Yes. I uh, I heard that there was something going on with, uh, with gamers and the left. Oh, yes. 
Yes, as as both of us know, the left, and we this is no sarcasm at all. The mm. left hates gamers. <laughs> and yep. I'm, I'm going to read you a quote here from uh, Dave Rubin. Do you know who that is? I do, in fact, yes. Who? It's to give us a little back. I have no idea who this man is. Uh, Dave Rubin is a man who likes ideas. He's a conservative talk show kind of host guy. And and literally, that's his only position is he's completely just like, I will talk to anyone. I love anything. And that includes Nazis. Yeah, so here's a quote from him on uh, why the left hates gamers. And once again, remember, guys, this is 100% true. Mm -hmm. And this is how we feel. Absolutely. You have to accomplish something in a video game. You have to keep trying to succeed. That sort of shows why the media and the leftist media hates games and gamers they don't like people who solve problems (laughs) and i mean i I gotta say dave rubin you hit the nail on the head because you know accomplishing something in a video game is a lot just like accomplishing in real life you know it's 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 the exact same thing yeah i will say this um to to counterpoint here um, I accomplished a lot in my first year of Stardew Valley um, that I could never accomplish in real life. Yeah. Um, even even like comparison wise, like it's just not possible for me to succeed and achieve that much uh, in one year of my life as I can in that game. And I'm just losing the thread of this quote, my dude. Yeah, it's it's like. It's like this weird belief that leftists don't play games, but at the same time, it's like, wasn't that y'all's big, like, worry that leftists were playing video games and changing them or something? Yeah, it's weird. They, they can just... The, the great thing about... Honestly, the best part about being, like, a conservative or, you know, one of these alt-right guys is you can radically change your argument whenever you want. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't have to be consistent if you don't want to. You can just be like, oh, yeah, they, uh, they started making us use... Uh, plastic spoons because they said the metal ones were bad and oh but now we have to use ones that are made out of metal because plastic's bad and then like, they can just change it in a in a two second span if they want well, no logic like, or reason this is the thing right this is the fucking thing this is Umberto Eco's what is it is it Umberto Eco's I don't know he was a philosopher guy who his whole thing was he identifies some key points about fascism, and one of those things is the enemies of fascism must simultaneously be uh, overwhelmingly powerful but incredibly weak, which is how you know Hitler uh, and the Nazis portrayed the Jews before World War II was they control the world, but they're also physically pathetic and we can o- easily overwhelm them. So it's like. The same thing with these these right wing guys nowadays, where it's like before twenty fourteen, they didn't give a shit about gamers. They thought guys who play games were dumb. They were fucking weak, uh, in, in like not masculine men who deserved nothing but scorn. And then Gamergate happens, and suddenly they realize there's a massive untapped reservoir there of of just white dudes who are mad that we could tap into. Yeah. It's and, and like like you just pointed out, it is crazy how the tides have turned on some gamers to where, you know, the, the, the fact, I mean, once you find out that YouTube's algorithm is putting, like, Ben Shapiro videos on Minecraft Let's Plays, it kind of lets you know that they've, they've decided that there is a generation, a big wave of people who... And I'm not putting this... I, what I'm about to say, I'm not putting it on video games. I'm not saying video games cause this. I'm not saying that it's video games' fault. But I'm saying that there's a lot of people... And I grew up with them. I went to high school with them. I, get, I went to college with them. There's guys who will play video games, and that's all they do. They And they don't have a lot of connection with what's going on like politically, What's what what the climate of like just like local, global, like national politics are. They don't have a good... Um, idea of that so it's it they're really they can be easy to sway at that point you know if you don't have good bearings and you didn't have you didn't like you're not constantly out forming opinions on these things like on your own just through experience it's pretty easy to shape those opinions and they found that out and they've attacked that market aggressively yeah it's like 
You talk, you, you, dude. You hit. You, you're like, you said so perfectly. These guys who think they have no politics are just sitting around playing video games all the time, and then someone on YouTube talks about uh, a Nicholas Arkesian or somebody who says that video games may have like poor depictions of women in some cases, and you hear that, and these guys hear that, and they think to themselves, "Well, shit, I like video games." Is she saying I'm bad for liking video games? And this person who's saying it is like, "Yes, she thinks gamers are trash." And then from there, you know, the whole radicalization process begins. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like just these guys who, um, you know, they want validation and these guys will give it to them. And then on YouTube, they see that and that's their algorithm. is so, It's smarter than they are, you know. This thing is connecting into these dots people don't even see coming. And now you've got fucking, you know, PewDiePie's, all his fans are just fucking Nazis now. Yeah, I mean the rise and the rise and what I, what should I call it? Reign of PewDiePie gets scarier and scarier because when he first was on YouTube, I mean I didn't like him because he I just didn't think he was funny and a lot of his jokes were just like you know poorly timed, ill advised, like ignorant, you know, seventeen, eighteen year old shit, whatever he was at the time. But since then, he has evolved into this. Like I mean, honestly, you know, we call him a Nazi a lot, and I mean. Maybe people can argue he's not a Nazi, but he's definitely a bad, like, he, he's a bad influence, and he has a lot of these alt-right, whatever you want to call them, tendencies. And he talks about it, and he, you know, he, oh, in quotes, like, makes mistakes, and, you know, has to apologize for them and stuff. But at the end of the day, he has an insanely huge following, and is able to the, I mean, some of these kids have been watching him since they were, like, 10 or 11 and there's 10 and 11 year olds who are starting to watch him every day yeah and it's weird that we're letting this guy have such a big like lasting impression on the new youth of america who are you know we we keep saying oh one day all the old racist people are going to die off and we're just going to have them but i mean we're we have this group of people like ben shapiro and pewdiepie who are actively making them racist again so we're not really going to have this cathartic no more old racist guys anymore think because it's going to be young racist guys. Yeah. And it's like one of those things with, with, with PewDiePie in particular and like this whole like right wing gamer YouTube, it's a question of chicken and the egg in my opinion. Which one came first, the right wingers or the gamers? I mean, not specifically that because of course right wingers came first. But like in this case, PewDiePie uh, will obviously tell you if you ask him that he is mirroring the expectations and the opinions of his of his fans. You know, he his fans are largely you know they call themselves apolitical, but they're right wing people with right wing beliefs. And he'd say he's just like giving that back to them. That's what sells. But what sold them on it to begin with? And now he's just reinforcing that worldview and bringing new people into it constantly. So I wonder. Who got radicalized first? Yeah. yeah but I, I have agree. a question for it's you, a real chicken and egg. Go ahead. Have you heard the new latest controversy in gaming? The big discourse moment we're having about games? Uh, maybe, but give me a refresher. About difficulty in games. I, I've seen some, like, some analyses, if you will, of difficulty in games, but I didn't know there was a big, a big to do about it what's going on i think what triggered it this time is as always when we talk difficulty in video games a dark souls game and it's not Sekiro. actually Sekiro. shadows die twice or whatever yeah. um which is like a ninja type game where you like do dark souls type shit and it's all about like from what i can tell you know when i played dark souls and i even the game like in there, there was dodging and blocking that was the whole thing like dodges yeah. and blocks here it's parrying it's moving fast um, so it's a different, a different, a different like, take on the style. And, of course, it has the sort of, like, from softwares, like, this game is fucking hard, you know? Like, beating yeah. it's an accomplishment. And I think some people, I'm not even sure where it got started at, were just saying, like, hey, it would be cool if Sekiro had an easy mode for, like, disabled gamers who, you know, can't use their hands as well as everyone else. They'd like to play it and, and also experience the game. And I don't know that From Software said anything about it, but the reaction from gamers was not pleasant, as you can imagine. A lot of gnashing of teeth and, and screaming on the internet about how this compromises their creative vision and shit like that. 
Um, and then some guy wrote an article about how he um, he wrote an article about how he beat the the final boss of Sekiro using like cheat codes or whatever, or like he hacked it or whatever to make yeah. it easier. And people got fucking super pissed at him. And it's just like one of those things where it's like I don't understand people care so much. Yeah, it's like I mean. As far as like making like making versions of games that are good for disabled gamers, it's something I think about a lot. Like when I'm playing a game, I always like I wonder how like a person who like didn't have all the motor functions that I do will be able to play this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what the best answer for that is. I just think that one one thing I've always heard from disabled community is making uh, more customized controls. Like making making a completely customizable control set is best, um, which a lot of games try to do these days. And then as far as difficulty, I mean, I don't feel like it should be a big deal to make uh, an easier difficulty for a game. Um, for people, like, if, if there's a person out there who really wants to spend the money and, you know, uh, wants to enjoy it, I don't see that, I don't think that should ever be a problem. And it's just, I mean, I guess this is just another sounding board for people who are now, they hate disabled people, too. It's one of those things, too, in my opinion, where it's like, these people get so threatened because their identity is so wrapped up in video games that beating Dark Souls is an accomplishment for them. Yeah, and it's like all these guys who take all this pride in this and they're saying, oh no, this compromises the game. How about tomorrow uh, you you know, get a head injury and lose, lose some of your motor functions? Don't you think you'd probably want to still play these games? Or do you play, think? Oh, you'd be, like, be like, "Oh, this is I deserve this. I don't. I shouldn't play these games anymore because this is this is what has been done to me by the universe." Yeah. Which I did actually see a video of a one-handed guy beating a boss in Sekiro, but this guy is known for being like a godlike player. Yeah, I mean, um, you always see those people who are like, "Oh, like you know, one-handed guy can play through the fire and the flames on Guitar Hero or something." That's, mm-hmm. that's probably a little far, but whatever. And yeah, and once again, it's good for that one one-handed person. But of course, there's people out there who don't, who maybe have one hand and don't don't have the time and you know dedication to put into just becoming that fucking good at video games, but still want to experience them, and they should be taken care of too. I've seen folks say, "Oh, we'll just watch a let's play." <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, how does that? That's not really experiencing the game. First of all, not not hating on let's plays. They're very. I like I like watching some of them sometimes as well. But, like, that's not what they're asking for, you know? That's not what they want. Yeah. In most cases. Um, All right. But, Seth, I wanted to tell you real quick, there were a couple of very good reactions to this. Guy saying that he cheated at at, uh, at Sekiro. This is a good one right here. All right. You cheated not only the game, but yourself. You didn't grow. You didn't improve. You took a shortcut and gained nothing. You experienced a hollow victory. Nothing was risked and nothing was gained. It's sad that you don't know the difference. Wow. And one more that's so incredible. That feeling you got from cheating the last boss? Not as good as the feeling of overcoming him for real. And the real cheat is you cheating yourself out of that feeling. I beat him, parentheses, legally yesterday, and it felt better than nutting after a really, really long time without nutting. I love how this comparison is really long time without nutting and not having sex for obvious reasons. (laughs) Um, Wow. Also love the implication that this guy beat the game illegally. Yeah, this he should be arrested for what he did. <laughs> fucking police come! The gaming police officers are yeah. coming to your house right now to arrest you, sir. Now, did you just make a Reddit post at four twenty-five p.m. saying, <laughs> 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 "Sir, did you uh, happen to mod in some extra golden keys in Borderlands Two about four years ago? You're going to jail, sir." Ooh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I see it here on your record that you used big head mode in 1996 in NBA Jam. You're done. Yeah. You go into the fucking slammer. I call them cheat codes for a reason, but... <laughs> Dude, bring back cheat codes. Where'd those go? I agree, man. Next GTA should have cheat codes. That was the best part of GTA back in the day. And bring back big head mode. Come on. Yeah. Alright, so, we, you know what? We've been talking a lot about, like, 
video game players being bad mm-hmm. and all that you know what let's talk about let's talk about some basketball player who's being good okay i should it's miss. a good transition right sure all right so there's a basketball player who currently plays for the utah jazz uh named kyle Korver. He's formerly played for the Atlanta Hawks and was on the Cleveland Cavaliers team last year that made the finals. Um, he's a white guy, and as about if you if you're thinking about a white basketball player who plays in Utah, he pretty much fits the bill. Mm-hmm. And um, he he made an article today in the Players Tribune, which is a an online publication where NBA players get to write articles and publish them. And usually gets like pretty good content out of this because uh, some of the people are very well spoken. And Kyle Korver made uh, an article called "Privileged," and basically he um, he recounts how about uh, a little over a year or not two years ago, um, his his teammate when he was on Atlanta. I'm gonna say his name wrong because I've never known how to say it. His name is um, Thabo Cephalosha. Um, one morning when they were on a back-to-back, which means they were playing uh, two games in a row in New York, um, all the people in the team got texts saying that he had uh, been arrested and that while he was being arrested, the police officers broke his leg, which is a pretty terrible injury for a basketball player to go through because they need that all the time. And the playoffs are coming up, and he was going to miss the rest of the season because of this injury that was inflicted on, on him. Um, just because, I mean, like, because he was doing nothing. In fact, late, later, once this went to trial... He, it was found that he was completely innocent of anything they were saying he was doing, basically just being black in public. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kyle Corver, who is um, a really good friend of um, Thabo, Thabo, however you say it. Um, one, one, he, one quick, can I say one thing? Can I say just one yeah, thing? Yeah, go ahead. Did you ever see Catherine Bigelow's movie Strange Days? Yes. Remember the inside against it for that movie, which is that a rapper gets killed by the cops? Yes. And it turns out when they go back and, like, they have, the like, technology in the movie to, like, review someone's memories or whatever. And it turns out he was doing nothing but driving around and they killed him for that. Yep. And how, like, that happened in a science fiction movie from the 19, from 1990 fucking nine. Yep. And it was like, oh, this is insane. And it just happens all the time. And we don't even, it just, it's just like the regular state of events in America. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I had to say that. Yeah. It just reminds me of that. So um, Kyle Culver made this article saying that at the time, um, when the, when he first heard this news and heard this terrible thing, the first thought that came to his head was, "Oh, why was Thabo out at a out at a club when we're on a back to back?" And he said that like to this day he cringes at him saying that because he didn't think, "Oh, is my friend okay?" He didn't say, "Oh, you know, was this just?" He just thought about, you know, why is he doing this silly thing? And he said over time it's really really bugged him. And then recently when uh, uh, Russell Westbrook, a very popular NBA player, got into an altercation with a fan in Utah where um, Kyle Korver plays because the the fan told him to uh, get on his knees like he's used to. Um, And that made made Russell Westbrook mad. At the time, no one knew what the fan said because we didn't have any audio or anything. So when Kyle Korver was interviewed about it, they were like, oh, what do you think about this? And he was like, oh, I don't. I don't know what happened, so it's kind of weird. You know, Russ kind of went off, but he didn't know anything at the time, and now he feels bad about that because Russ was obviously in the right. So he made a very good article saying that um, he is he realizes that he has privilege and that there's a problem. So I'm, I'm going to read a little bit of um, what he says here. He says, uh, after the events in Salt Lake City, um, we've been discussing them since I've realized I've started to recognize the role these demographics play in my privilege. It's like I may be Thabo's friend or Russ's colleague. I may work with those guys, and I absolutely 100% stand with them. But I look like the other guy. And in probably one of his his better points, he says, "What I'm realizing is, no matter how passionately I commit to being an ally, and no matter how unwavering my support is for NBA and WNBA players of color." I'm still in this conversation from the privileged perspective of opting into it, which of course means that on the flip side, I could just as easily opt out of it. Every day I'm given that choice. I'm granted that privilege based on the color of my skin. And I think this is a a really powerful thing for uh, a pretty recognizable NBA player to just come out here and say, 
is that you know these um, anybody who has this popularity, this platform, who is white, they have this inherent choice to not even be to not even discuss anything if they don't want to. And it's it's a it's, it comes from a really really powerful place. And I mean, in the article he he uh, he talks about how um, he's like, what 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 can I do? He's like, um, what can I do? Like, I know I'm part of the problem. I know I look like the other guy. After stuff, so he's like, you know, we ha- he's like, first of all, we have to hold all white men accountable. It does not matter. He says it doesn't matter if it's if it's some guy who's in the crowd and he's saying something. You you don't think that way, but you're ignoring it. He's like, no, that we have to all hold that guy accountable. Everyone has to be there. And then he said, he said several times throughout the um, article that the biggest thing he has to do is listen and then ends the whole article by saying time for me to shut up and listen yeah and yeah i read this it's it's good stuff i i just thought this was a like a really cool move for um a, a player of, of of popularity and who has been around a lot of this bad stuff in the league to come out and make and i'm i'm really proud of um, Kyle Corver for doing this because it's not something that just anybody would do and you know it is showing me that um, you know while, while sports still have a lot of uh, like racial issues tied into them at least I can say that my favorite sport is better than the NFL because you don't see white players writing articles like this in the NFL mostly because a lot of them don't know how to hold a pencil so <laughs> You know what? I really love this part here in the last section where he says the NBA is over seventy five percent of players, seventy five percent players of color, seventy five percent. And he says people of color they built this league, they've grown this league. People of color have made this league into what it is today. And I guess I just want to say if you can't find it in your heart to support them now, I mean, and I mean I always support them. It's like, dude, that's that's fucking right. That's so true. Yeah, it's something that I've always like, and it came up recently. I talked about the thing that happened to Russell Westbrook. Like, I'm I'm realizing in that moment, like it's cr- it's kind of crazy. And I I mean I'm probably gonna sound really weird when I say this, but it seems like well not just with basketball but all sports. I mean you have to understand like the two the three the two big sports in America are like football and basketball, mm-hmm. and they're very very heavily you know black sports. There's a lot of black players on both sides. And when I realized that there's these these avid fans in the crowd who are also disgustingly racist, it means that honestly, to them, sports are like mandingo fighting. Yeah, that's what it feels like when they when they say this kind of stuff and when they hold these opinions and they bring their children to these events and they say these terrible things to these players and about these players. It makes you realize that they're all just ponying up to you know, see, see which black guy is going to win. And so, the, so because the, they want their black guy to be the best black guy. And yep. it's like, it's really disgusting that that's like, that one of the, the, like one of the things we do in our pastimes, like one of the things that, you know, in a perfect world could be untainted by this stuff is entirely entrenched in racism that's gone back for 30 years. We, like, when you, in a perfect society, you'd think that something like sports would be something you could just go and watch and have fun and be entirely free of anything anything you know evil in the world it would just be something that everyone who's there wants to see they love and they love all that's involved with it because that's like like if i didn't love all that stuff i wouldn't fucking watch basketball i don't know what i would get out of basketball if i was a racist person or a person who didn't support the 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 struggles of black not support the struggles but support the fight to end the struggles of black people i don't know what i'd be doing there and it's crazy every time I see something like this happen. I've, I'm still, like, I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but I'm still just as surprised every time I hear it. Yeah, it's, it just never fails to, like, to, like, make you realize how, I think simultaneously, so, people think so much about, like, race in America, but also don't think about it at all. Yeah, it's like, uh, like, oh, man. He has a really good point in here. Doesn't he say that like demographically he has more in common with the fans and the other players on the in the in the team or on the league? Yeah, he says I have more in common with you know the guy in the stands than anybody else. Okay, here it is. He says, um, 
But in many, many ways, the more dangerous forms of racism isn't that loud, stupid kind. It isn't the kind that announces itself when it walks in the arena. It's the quiet and subtle kind. The kind that almost hides itself in plain view. It's the person who does and says all the right things in public. They're perfectly friendly when they meet a person of color. They're very polite. But in private, well, they sort of wish that everyone would stop making everything about race all the time. Which, dude, how many people have you met here that that describes perfectly? Oh, so many. People People who say they don't want it to be a race. They don't want it to be about, you know, transgender, like LGBT stuff. Everybody who says that kind of stuff is just afraid. In all honesty. Or they'll say something, they'll be like perfectly nice and polite to a black person's face in, in public. And then as soon as you're behind closed doors, it's like a whole other person appears. Yeah, they're not against using the N-word. Nope. They're just like, they just would say awful say it, shit. Uh, it, would never say it to anyone's face, but as soon as it's just white people in the room, I've seen guys whose like entire fucking demeanor changes. And yeah. that scares me a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. And it was, it's, once again, so incredible to me that he points all this out in this article, because it's not yeah. something you see a lot. I mean, at one point he even gets into the, the economic plights of black people, talking about how they're more likely to be in poverty and more likely to have drug charges and more likely to be incarcerated. Um, He gets into the politics and the economics of it all. And yeah, it's just a cool article. And if, Hey, even if you're not into the NBA, it is, it is actually a very well-written read. And uh, I think it's really, really cool. uh, Privileged by Kyle Corker on the player's tribune. If anybody wants to check it out. And the one thing he said about the statistic about how 75% of players uh, in the league are, are people of color. Reminded me of a, of a quote that I saw from uh, from Huey P. Newton, uh, one of the great uh, Black Panthers um, who really struggled hard uh, for civil rights in this country. Um, he said, I, remember, I think if I remember correctly, he said that um, <clears throat> um, the like some of the blood, sweat, and tears of Black people are the foundations of wealth and power in the United States of America. We were forced to build America, and if we were forced to, we will tear it down. Hell yeah. And, like, just that thinking about how, like, he talks about how, like, like people of color built the league reminds me of how we never really want to talk about the fact that this country was built on the backs of slave labor, and that's never truly been addressed, you know? Not any sort of, like, systemic matter. Yeah, I mean, people talk about, you know, Wilt Chamberlain and how he's, like, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. People talk about the fact that when he was, like, 16, there were, he had, like, there, there are these white businessmen who were just, like, making him play games against, like, 20- and 30-year-old men and were just making profit off of him and were using his image to, to build the NBA. And they made more money off the NBA than he ever would. You yeah, know? so I think how much money he didn't get out of that arrangement. Exactly. Um, people want to talk about how sports stars are overpaid or they're like super wealthy or whatever and it's like but think about how much more money the league makes off of all this yeah, remember at the end of the day you can complain that sports stars make too much money I've, I've made this point before you can complain all you want but at the end of the day remember it is a bunch of it, much much richer people who are betting on these people for their own interests yeah. Like, you have to imagine, there, there are people, the people who are paying their salaries are so rich, they can lose that much money and still be well off. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. There are some players in the league who make, like, $40 million a year. Like, just think about that. There's someone who can lose that much money and just be fine. And let's not forget that sports stars are workers, you know? Yeah. They they put their bodies, they, they use their bodies to perform labor that they didn't get paid a wage for, basically. And people don't really talk about it too much. We hear more about the NFL nowadays, but like when you come out the other end of that that whole cycle, especially the NFL, you're like ruined, basically. Yeah, you can. there's a couple of jobs you can do after that. I mean, luckily you make enough money to hopefully not need a job after, but you can pretty much only be like a <laughs> like a high school coach. Uh, it's pretty much, yeah. pretty much all you can be, or you can just keep going to school, which is another good avenue, but yeah. It's not. It's not like you. You definitely worse for wear when you're done with uh, professional sports. I don't hear much about this, but I mean, I reckon I, I have to imagine that basketball players have it slightly less bad. There's not, there's not much as much impact, right? Like on a regular basis. Yeah, basketball players. Basketball. They seem to like. They have a lot of. Uh, they do have a lot of advantages when it comes to stuff like that. 
Um, they do have to play more games, though. I mean, you play 82 games a year as a basketball player. Um, I mean, some people don't play every game, but still, your team plays 82 games a year. And there's people who are playing every night. So, and then you, you know, you get in the playoffs. If your series go longer, you could be playing, you know, you know, up to 30, 40 games in the playoffs. So, yeah, it's it's rough, and yeah, you, you usually get a lot more like. Whereas football, it's like like head and upper body injuries. You get more like knees and like bad like, yeah, like, like say, lower body bone because you're just running up and down so much for basketball. Got to be rough on the legs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so solidarity with with uh, the the workers and the NBA and the people there, and I mean it's just like. I, I would like to see a day one day. I probably won't see it in my lifetime. We got to work towards a day where we have true like racial justice in America. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you know you we, we we keep feeling like we've been working towards our whole life, but you kind of just realize that we get set back more and more every year. Yeah, but Seth, I, I want to talk to you about something real quick. Mm-hmm. I want to bring up uh, person talked about on the show a while back. Uh, he, but he's he's come back onto the onto the, the Democratic stage a bit more strongly recently. And that's Mike Gravel. Mike Gravel. You can call him Gravel. His 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 he goes by on Twitter. His hashtags are, are Gravel Gang and Gravelanche. So nice makes total sense. But he has just put out his 2020 platform. Now remember. Mike, Mike Gravel does not want to be president. He's just trying to get on the debate stage to get his platform out there and yeah. force other candidates and to take a, a position. And embarrass Joe Biden. Yeah, exactly. And everyone else, really. Um, so he, I want to talk to you about his platform real quick, Seth. Would you like to know what Mike Gravel would like to see done to America? I would love to. All right, starting from the top, we want to abolish the Electoral College. Not, I'm 100% for that. Yeah, for sure. They even point out, dude, in the fucking article, or the sorry, the, the, the document, historically it has empowered slavers and segregationists. Yes. Like, not even, not, not even fucking kidding around. Uh, it says right here, they want to make elections fair by putting all uh, elections under federal uh, oversight and automatically registering all U.S. citizens to vote at the age of 18. Yes, registering to vote and, like, like voter registration stuff, it's just another way to keep people from being able to vote. Yeah. And they also want national ranked choice voting, which means that when when you would vote, you would have, like, basically there are four people running, you would number them and, and like, how much you want them to be number one, you know, one to four, so that they can then, like, more easily, like, Essentially, collate stuff, and this allows for more parties to be represented in in uh, the, the system and all kinds wow. of stuff. That's I've I've never thought of this idea, but I can see how that would be beneficial. Um, they want to adopt the Wyoming rule, which is that the House's representative to population ratio should be equal for all states. So that means that it will be set to the pop, the lowest population state, Wyoming, which means that we would expand the House massively. They want to abolish the Senate as we know it. Okay. I'm, I'm down for just tearing shit down. 12-year terms for all federal judges. Not for life anymore. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, that's, we've talked about we, I think we did like 20 or 30 minutes about that one time, but life sentence for people is ridiculous. Uh, it says right here, they want to restore civil rights in America by abolishing the NSA. Holy shit. Yes, number one. With a um, substantially reduce the size of the surveillance state down from 17 distinct entities. Withdraw from the Anglophone-only Five Eyes network. What is that? Um, oh, dude, the thing that, like, oh, also, they, it's like, we'll talk about it. Um, get rid of PRISM. Yes. Um, repeal the Patriot Act and the Espionage Act. <laughs> Gravel is like this man's. This man's crazy. He's great. It's only get better, dude. Self determination and potential statehood for Puerto Rico and Washington D.C. Hell yes. 
Um, also, now on to his next section, which is a foreign policy of peace. Yeah, I like how we're only means, on the first section. I know, right? Um, I'm not reading everything. This is just, I'm reading the high points, basically. Um, he wants to re-engage his multilateral institutions, like getting back in with the Paris Agreement, which is climate change yeah. stuff. We want to unwithdraw from the United Nations Human Rights Council. Yep, which, uh, weirdly enough, we withdrew from. <laughs> yeah. Um, rejoin the Iran nuclear deal. We want to end the nuclear threat by signing and ratifying the Treaty on the Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons, which was signed in the fucking 70s, except by us. Oh, wow. Oh, man, and here's where we get to some really interesting stuff um, for foreign policy. Pursuing non-aggression abroad by committing to end the weaponization of human rights as a tool of American foreign policy, separate U.S. aid from the State Department, uh, end all unilateral sanctions against sovereign countries, as sanctions are an act of war that result in the harm and death of innocent people, vow not to invade any sovereign country such as Venezuela or North Korea without a clear and obvious first strike by that nation, um, dude, they wants to fucking uh, finally end the the Korean War and withdraw America from the from uh, the Korean Peninsula entirely. Nice. Bring all our troops home from every country across the world that we're we're stationed in right now, because we have eight hundred military bases across the world with bases in eighty other countries and about one hundred thirty eight thousand troops deployed across the world. God damn. Only 11 other countries have military bases in other nations. Wow. Also, he wants to rename the defense of the, the, the Department of Defense to the Department of War and, re, and create a Department of Peace. Wow. <laughs> abolish the U.S. Space Force. Uh, oh, abolish the Space Force that exists. Definitely exists. Uh, big cuts in military spending. Cut military spending by 50%. 50? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, hey, that's that's a little low for me. <laughs> I'm more of a 75% guy myself. Uh, wants to commit to international justice by joining the International Criminal Court. Um, wants to prohibit... Um, all former, all current and former uh, government officials found by Congress to have committed war crimes from any future government service or advise and provide services to government through third parties. So that would get rid of people like Oliver North and Elliot Abrams, who we've talked about on the show. Want to oppose Israeli apartheid. That's a big one. That's a good. Uh, in support for Saudi Arabia. Um, end all foreign arms sales. And put war back under the purview of the, con- of, 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 of Congress, essentially. Because they ceded that power in the uh, War Powers Act of 1973, and we have not, we have never given it back to Congress. So the president can just, like, you know, carte blanche society wants to declare war. Wow. And like I said, a peaceful solution in the Korean Peninsula. We want to open talks with North Korea, try and get them to denuclearize, try and get the North and South back on talking you know, uh, uh, cooperating kind of uh, basis without having to, you know, constantly point guns at North Korea and then point guns at us. Um, now, on to uh, domestic stuff. Um, they want to attack poverty and inequality by creating a uh, American Solidarity Fund, which would uh, put ta- like a little bit of tax from everybody into a universal dividend for all Americans 18 and older. Nice. So that'll help a lot. Uh, breaking up big businesses. Good. Yeah. Wants to use our antitrust authority to destroy uh, big companies like Facebook, Google, and Amazon. Break them up into smaller uh, c- competing companies. Yeah. That, can, that can't uh, merge again. Um, create a national reparations trust fund. Oh, hell yes. So that means they want to create a fund that would get $30 billion per year uh, from the government that will be managed in a way um, 
like Social Security, and 20% of the fund would be paid out, 20% of the money would go towards programs to benefit historically black colleges and universities, Native American, Native American communities, and historical monuments honoring um, historically disadvantaged uh, groups. Um, just everything, dude. They want this shit to pay. They, they want to fund so much stuff for, for like black, Native American people, people of color across the country. Yeah, so... What are the what are the chances? Since, since obviously he's apparently not try, actually trying to become president, what, what are the chances we get like a a Bernie gravel ticket? <laughs> Probably low, but I would hope that Bernie would see this platform and see that he's being outmaneuvered from the left and and like adopt some of this. Yeah. But yeah, we got some big ticket stuff like health and education as human rights, housing as human rights. Um, give, making it so that failing companies that before they can be sold to some other corporation, workers have the first right to like buy it and take it over, operate it themselves. Um, fun, like more funding for schools. Um, fifteen dollar minimum wage, of course. Federal jobs guarantee. Repeal the Taft Hartley Act so that unions can once again, uh, you know, uh, have power in America. Um, changing corporate law just top to fucking bottom, like getting rid of all the tax havens, all the loopholes and abuses companies use to avoid paying their workers and their fair share, fair share of tax. Green New Deal, definitely on board with that. Public banking, getting rid of all private banks, make all banking public in America. That's cool. And then, of course, making tax reform progressive again. Now, Seth, here's his plan. I love it so much. A marginal tax uh, income uh, over $1 million, 60%. Incomes over $5 million at 70%. And incomes over $10 million at 80%. And incomes over $20 million at 95%. That is, yes. That's that's the ticket right there. Hell yeah, dude. In the war of dr- war on drugs. Gotta get rid of that. Um, abolishing the death penalty. Putting police officers under civilian oversight, so community, uh, like democratically elected people, would have like control over police departments, not you know like sheriffs and, and police chiefs and stuff. Hell yeah! Uh, cap all prison sentences at twenty one years. Okay. Is that like an arbitrary uh, number, or is there a reason for that? That's a Norwegian model. In uh, Norway, no crime carries a penalty of more than twenty one years in prison. Um, and of course, you got to work on making making uh, sentencing fair across racial lines. Got to have civilians overseeing that as well. Um, improving prisons and combating recidivism by uh, helping and funding uh, uh, prisoners who are released from jail to get jobs and get back into society. Nice. Decriminalizing so commercial sex work. I know, right? Uh, just immigration reform. So also supporting LGBTQIA individuals. Nice. Um, supporting abortion and, and bodily autonomy. Everyone should be able to have that. Um, amnesty and honor for whistleblowers. And, of course, investigating um, human rights abuses by the government. So that's just that's that's what they've got so far on the platform, dude. And it's so good. Yeah, I definitely want to see this guy go out there and own some people. Yeah, just get him on the debate yeah. stage. And another thing we have, I don't, if you guys don't know who this guy is, he's old. He's very. He's old. not some. He's like a Bernie Sanders type. He's an old guy who realizes there's a lot of shit wrong with this country and is hoping we can do something about it. He was first elected in 1968, actually. So he goes back a long ways. Damn. And one of the favorite things about him was that I think back in like 2005 or so he ran or he was going to run um, for something. And went on to be went on to run for president, sort of like didn't get the nomination for it, but ran for libertarian um, president, like uh, like like the candidate for president, mm-hmm. and he ran on a maximum freedom ticket, which meant that he wanted to uh, nationalize all healthcare and housing and food and stuff like that. Because how could you possibly be more free than to have all your needs met? That's true. That's that, he's that's not fucking wrong. What the Millennials podcast is all about. I mean, are you really free if you have to, like, work your ass off to pay for your basic shit, like, where you live and, and shit and eat and all that kind of stuff? Not really. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I do every day is w- w- hope I'm going to be able to continue to pay for all the shit that I have to pay for. 
yeah, it's a uh, that's that's pretty much our our daily struggle. I think uh, for us and for basically everybody around the around the world is, like I said, my theory's always been that most people just want to get like through life without it being too hard. Yeah. Just uh, not got not to get into horrible wars and murder and kill and rape and torture each other. Uh, just fucking you know, just chill out and fucking live because we didn't fucking choose to have any of this. Yeah. So let's true. make the best of it. You know. That is true, man. Goddamn. And those podcasts, everyone should listen to us because we we know what's up. Uh, but yeah, so Seth, you got any things you want to talk about? Any more topics for the week? No, I think we can put a bow on this one. Alright, cool, cool, cool. Um, let's see here then. Looks like we just got, oh, got a text from Marcus. Uh, apparently he worked late. He had to say late at work. So, yeah, fuck capitalism. Like the story. Um, alright, so I'm on Twitter. You can find me there, uh, at MCSurf. We're on Twitter, at Life of Seth. Our art was done by Marcus Barkley, who, as you just heard, was not here for reasons he says are related to work. Yep. Uh, he'll be back next week, hopefully. Our theme song was done by Ben Powell. He's been on the podcast before. He was even on our bonus episode we did about Jordan Peele's new movie, Us, uh, that you can check out if you haven't already. Um, he has a pot his own podcast called Southern Smackdown where they talk about wrestling and they're both from the South. Uh, WrestleMania just happened, so they have a pretty good episode coming your way. So if you're into that, check it out. I heard some guy got ta- I heard some guy tackle Bret Hart. Yeah, some random fan during the Hall of Fame speeches just ran up and tackled Bret Hart. Apparently, the first guy to grab him was a UFC fighter who specializes in punching people on the ground. So yeah, he's uh probably. he's Ronda Rousey's husband, and he's like a fucking jacked fucking UFC fighter. And yeah, he apparently he got like like five hits. People are like, oh, they didn't hit him that much, but he was getting hit by like a guy who like knows how to hit people. Right. Um, and bad, then, bad fucking decision on that dude's part. Yeah, and then a couple like one other. I know I can't remember his name, but like one other big dude. Like it was like while they're all dragging it out, just like. While no one's looking, just kind of like tucked around the corner and just punched him real quick. So it was like, it was like kind of funny. But yeah, fuck that guy. Like, that's a weird thing to do. Like, a man's like fucking old as shit. And obviously, his health needs aren't taken care of because he's a fucking WWE wrestler. So give him yeah. a break. I think that this this proves that we should get Mike Gravel to add to his platform to ban all white guys wearing Rasta hats. That is <laughs> something everybody should do. Yeah, you put it on everybody's platform. That's an easy one. Uh, but. So you uh, you can't you can lead a horse water, but you can't can't make him get under it. Fuck Kevin Durant, Tom Brady, and the movie First Reformed, and the guy that tackled Bret Hart. Yeah, that guy too. Um, we've stopped trying to solve our problems; we're just trying to outlive them. And from New Orleans to New York, that's the Illinois podcast, baby. We're out. Out. <laughs>